If you have never been a part of a brand new church, welcome. You're here on the ground floor. My name is Bruce Wood. I'm the lead pastor here of Valley Lights Church, and I am very glad that you're here today. Uh, last week was our grand opening. Uh, we have just launched this church uh, online right here with you and in person in Santa Clarita, California. My wife and I, Erin uh, is my wife, we were at our previous church for about 13 years. And we got to be there for its grand opening, uh, which was an exciting time. And since then, we, we were able to be a part of uh, seeing it go through a lot of stages of growth. And over the course of a few years and a process, we, uh, I sensed a call from God to start a new church. And so they sent us out here to start something brand new. And I would love to meet you. Um, you know, with you watching online, if you were to leave some contact information with us, I'd, I'd love just to send you a note and, and um, say hello. Last week, we launched a message series called Unfazed, where we're looking at how can we develop confidence in, uh, as we're going through all sorts of different kinds of trouble. Unfazed means to not be concerned, not, not to get thrown off easily. And we're looking at the perspective and the help that God gives us through the Bible. So last week we talked about um, being unfazed by uncertainty. And we have definitely been going through some uncertain times. There have been so many unpredictable things that have been happening in our world. It's kind of felt a little bit like a roller coaster where you're just, you're going up and down and you don't even know which turn is gonna come next. And if you missed that message, you can listen to that on our website or on our podcast. You can check that out. Uh, another area that tends to phase us and throw us off balance is when our health takes a turn for the worst. In fact, that could just stop us right in our tracks. And that, that could be whether it's chronic pain or a sudden injury or um, an unexpected illness that comes on. And life can come to a screeching halt when we or when someone we love uh, comes down with anything that you can't easily fix with some over-the-counter medicine. Sickness is something that we can't plan for, uh, we can't avoid it, and, and sometimes it's something that we can't solve. And I think January has been a month of particular difficulty with sickness, um, even a tough month for death even. And I have a few friends that have lost a parent even in the past few weeks. Actually, even this morning, I got a text message from uh, someone in our church who had said that a dear friend had passed away. And this is really tough. In fact, this is a topic we're going to talk about today that stirs us at a very deep level. And uh, there's no way that we can answer all the questions that arise in our short time together, but I really do want to look at some of the hope that we can find in the Bible on this area. The topic of health and sickness and even death, uh, it, it has become more relevant to me. I mean, as, as my life goes on, um, as you know, as I get older, my body gets older, as my parents get older, and, um, and as we have kids to be concerned about. Um, in fact, we've got two boys and two girls, so we've got four kids, and uh, I've been in the emergency room with both of my daughters, but neither of my sons yet, um, which is kind of, it kind of surprised me because both of my sons are pretty daring. <laughs> and um, I think it's maybe just by the grace of God that, that we haven't had more trips, but... There was one scary time when my oldest daughter was just about two years old and uh, she had febrile seizures, which means 
Um, her, you know, a seizure where her body shuts down when her temperature would spike really fast. And uh, when this happened, we didn't really know what was going on. One night we had some friends over and uh, the kids were just playing in the living room, having a good time. And all of a sudden, out of nowhere, she, she totally freezes up. Her eyes glaze over and her lips turn purple and um, she was totally non-responsive. It was terrifying. Uh, we called um, 911 and there were paramedics in our living room instantly. It was, it was incredible how fast. And so uh, my daughter got care in the ER and the doctors checked her out and she recovered. And it, it's, uh, you know, I learned about this that it's not the most uncommon. There's, there's kids that have this happen to them. Um, it's just when, you know, they get a fever really fast, then temp you know, body doesn't know how to respond. And, and so we wondered if it was going to happen again. This kind of, it actually happened twice. And so we were trying to avoid situations where um, her temperature would spike like that. And, and of course, our worst fear was that it would happen again during the night and we wouldn't know about it. And that particular night, I was not unfazed. I, I was very phased. Physical health challenges, uh, it really is an area that can shake us up. Uh, me getting sick is one thing, but I, I feel the greatest concern when it's the people that I, I really care about, the people that are close to me. And when a family member is sick, it is a very heavy thing to deal with. And over the past year, the threat of illness and even the threat of death, it feels like it's been hovering around us like a black cloud. And it's been hovering closer for some people, or it's been a little bit more in the distance for other people. But we all know somebody that's been afflicted with some kind of uh, sickness. And, and it really, it is heartbreaking to hear the stories of how quickly illness can progress and, and to a place where you or someone you love is staring death in the face. And it's very scary. And all sorts of questions flood our minds when we are encountering sickness and death. And this is a concern that has uh, perhaps uh, you know, come to the, more to the forefront over the past year, but this is not new part of life. I mean, it, it, we have we've had concern with this before, and in the future, this will be an ongoing concern. And when we're dealing with serious health problems, one of the questions that comes up is, where is God in the middle of all of this? That's a question that we ask. When illness strikes or, or when the pain goes on and on and on and it's just not getting solved, it's, it's sort of, we have a tendency to resist God and even get angry at Him. And uh, calling God into question can be a natural reaction, even for people that spend very little time thinking about God the rest of the year. And we ask, you know, why is this happening to me? You know, God, you, you must be responsible for this. You're, you, you caused it or you're allowing it to happen. And we all encounter some question marks regarding health, and sometimes it just doesn't make sense. We started this message series looking at the book of Psalms, which is a part of the Bible that has, it's a big collection of uh, songs and prayers that, that provide a lot of help. There, there's some real tensions that are dealt with in this book, and we're going to read about people who are reacting um, and communicating to God during very difficult circumstances in life. And so there's one songwriter named Asaph who was wrestling with some of these real tensions related to health and some other things. Uh, and he was, fr he was frustrated. He even was accusing towards God because of his body was struggling. 
And all the while, he noticed that people who uh, couldn't care less about God seemed to be doing just fine. And so he refers to this group that he's you know, observing from the outside as the arrogant and the wicked. And in Psalm 73, he says, They have an easy time until they die, and their bodies are well-fed. They're not in trouble like others. They're not afflicted like most people. Now, we don't know what illness Asaph had, but uh, he was just wondering if following God and taking God seriously was making any difference practically for him in terms of health. And so he asks, did I purify my heart and wash my hands in innocence for nothing? For I am afflicted all day long and punished every morning. When I try to understand all this, it seemed hopeless. And he really struggled to make sense out of what he was experiencing. You know, he's asking, why am I experiencing all this pain and all this trouble, carefully following God's ways, while people that do whatever they want seem to be experiencing the good life? So he complains that the, the wicked have no pain. They, uh, they don't have any body disorders. They, they're all strong and healthy. And, you know, we, we know that can't possibly be true. No one is exempt from health challenges or problems or their bodies breaking down. Of course, that's not true. But it does reveal, what he says, reveals some of the deep tension and frustration he was feeling. He even says later, my soul became embittered and it felt like my heart was being stabbed. And he was very, uh, he, he just was frustrated. It just felt so unfair. The Bible is full of people who question God when disaster strikes. This is a very natural, common human reaction. Have you ever seen anybody deal with this kind of bitterness towards God? Or have you personally felt this way when you were walking through a real trial? Severe pain in our lives often brings us to a tipping point where will we decide that God is real, that he's in control, and that he's good? Or will we let the bitterness well up and we seal off our hearts and we walk away? There was a time when Aaron and I had to really wrestle with this in a very personal way. Uh, we have, we currently, you know, we have four kids and in between those healthy pregnancies, we had um, a series of miscarriages. And uh, in the process of building our family together, um, the hardest moment for us was when we had lost a son halfway through pregnancy. There was um, one, uh, one that we lost uh, somewhere between 16 and 20 weeks. I'm not exactly sure. But we had, we had a few miscarriages before that, and uh, we thought we were in the clear because um, so far that had happened earlier on the process and um, now that we're nearly halfway through the pregnancy and things had been looking really really good and strong and healthy we we felt really confident and when aaron went in for a routine ultrasound the doctor revealed and said that he, um, she couldn't find a heartbeat and it was a shattering moment it was incredibly difficult for for aaron and for me to receive that call it was it was awful and we eventually, you know, we had to go through, after things got sorted out, we had to go through the delivery process. And I got to hold the body of our son, which easily felt, uh, easily fit in the palm of one of my hands. And it, it, was, it was incredible to see that. And it was very difficult for us to walk through that together. Um, we were processing the pain differently and in different ways and times. And um, 
even, even that created some additional tension for us. But I, I really do believe that God has created everything, all of life, all, all of us, all of our bodies, everything that we see, and that he actively sustains life. Every, every life that, that's going on, he sustains. Uh, he sustains my heartbeat and yours and, and, and the, the oxygen that's pumping through your blood. He, he sustains all that. And so the hardest question for me to answer with all of this was, why did you decide to let the heartbeat stop? Asking that question, you know, embedded within that is, for me, was, was the understanding that, God, you could have kept it going if you wanted to. So I, I thought about that. Answering that question and other questions that came up over the, the month that followed, um, some of the answers started uh, making sense over time as we, as we were being supported by others who had walked through some similar difficulties or, or worse. And, and especially as we pulled hard into God's word, and which has provided very, very stable ground to stand on. And not every question that has come to mind has been answered related to this, but I, I have tremendous hope even in this passage that we're looking at right now, because when Asaph, this writer, reflects on his bitterness and his inner turmoil and struggle and, and, and accusation, he considered walking away from God. He said, my feet almost slipped and my steps nearly went astray. When I tried to understand all this, it seemed hopeless. Until, it seemed hopeless until I entered God's sanctuary. Then I understood their destiny. Instead of walking away, Asaph, this writer, he stepped toward God to get the answers that he needed. First, he realized that those who reject God will eventually be rejected by God. And even though it may seem like everyone else is living the good life and they're, you know, thing, good things are going well for them, it's just not true that anyone is able to go through life with a pain-free existence and a trouble and a loss-free reality. That's just not, gonna, that's not true. It doesn't happen. And what happens after death is of much greater significance than what's, than what's uh, the problems that we face right now. Those who keep their heart pure, this is what he learned. He realized those who keep their heart pure and decide to trust God and just determine to believe that he is good and in control, those will be eventually vindicated. There will be a time, you know, understanding may occur over time, but eventually it will totally make sense because of our trust in God's goodness. And so he was at the tipping point of trusting God. And during, during our loss in our family, we were pushed to the edge of trusting God unlike anything we had experienced before. And it really, honestly, it's kind of encouraging to hear some of the tensions that he, he expresses and just the raw emotion that comes out in this psalm. He, he's, he's just expressing so genuinely how he really felt. And then I love, he turns it around and he makes a stunning confession of faith. He says, yet I am always with you you hold my right hand. You guide me with your counsel, and afterward you will take me up in glory. He, he takes a moment to look beyond the present painful circumstances, which are very temporary, and, and they will, compared to eternity, it's going to be short-lived. And, and he, he says, God, you, you guide me with your counsel. God has been instructing us, too. In, in the journey of loss, God has, has been teaching us some things and allowing us to understand his ways at a deeper level. Asaph, he says, Who do I have in heaven but you? 
and I desire on earth nothing but you. He, he re recalibrates his priorities, what's going to take the biggest focus. My flesh and my heart may fail. He's talking about his body. Things may deteriorate. My heart and flesh may fail, but God is the strength of my heart, my portion forever. He says there's more to life than just our physical bodies. There's, there's got to be more than just that. He says, those far from you, God, will certainly perish. You destroy all those who are unfaithful to you. But as for me, God's presence is my good. That's great. God's presence is my good. I have made the Lord my refuge so I can tell about all that you do. When things strike us out of the blue, and sometimes they just crash in like a meteor, where's God in, all the, uh, in the middle of all this? That's what we ask. And this passage expresses the solid truth that God is with me. He's right beside me and his presence is my good. God walks through our sicknesses with us. He's right there in the cold waiting room. He's there next to the operating table. He's there next to the hospital bed. God will help us when our life is falling apart. And more than anything, more than anyone, he can be the strength of our heart. And we live in a day right now where Modern medicine is, is getting really good, and, it, and it's very easy to, to run to that and to turn to that quickly and to really hope that uh, we can get our problems solved by it and really depend on it first. And, and it, when, when that happens, turning to God in prayer and for help is a bit of an afterthought. Like, you know, if, if everything else doesn't work, then let's, you know, we can ask God for help. God sometimes does choose to heal, he does sometimes protect, and other times we bear it. We bear the pain, we bear the loss. And one of the things that sickness and, and, and these things, one of the things that happens is it, it keeps us dependent on God. We will never fully be free from the threat of sickness. Modern medicine truly is amazing, and so much blessing is good has come to us because of that. But there will always be new viruses there will be unsolvable physical pains and problems. There have been many who have dreamed of creating a society and a, a way of life that's, that's, you know, we've eradicated everything, all the, all of the sicknesses. That, that would be quite a dream. But while we're here on earth, there's no such utopia that exists. And, and we can't hold out for that because that's not going to happen here. There are some diseases that we cannot stop and certainly we can't stop death. That will come to all of us. And so that leaves us with an option to consider. When you really think about it, can I arrive at a place where I will trust God with the number of my days? Can I trust him with the number of days that I have here on the planet? Have you ever really settled that issue where you've entrusted him with that? Another psalm written by David, a man whose life was hanging in the balance many times, he experienced all kinds of trouble and near-death experiences. He wrote a poetic picture of God's control over our lives. And, and it's amazing. He, he describes it from the very beginning with conception and all the way to death. He says in Psalm 139, For it was you who created my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I will praise you because I have been remarkably and wondrously made. Your works are wonderful. I know this very well. My bones were not hidden from you when I was made in secret, when I was formed in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw me when I was formless. And check this out. 
all my days were written in your book and planned before a single one of them began. God can be trusted with the number of our days. Uh, for, first, for my own life. There's a peace, there's an incredible peace that comes from settling this issue. And I, I don't know if I've got days left or weeks or, or decades left of life. I don't know that, but God does because he's already, he's already set the number and he's planned out what they're going to look like. Which means nothing occurs in my life that's outside of his control or his greater plan. He's got a purpose for my life and the things that happen in it. I can also trust God that he's numbered the days for other people in my life and people I love and, and friends and family. Whether it's my kids or my parents, it, it can be frightening to know that it's just, it could just be a phone call away or, or a doctor's visit away from really bad news. And if we settle this issue of trusting God with the number of our days, Without that, we could live in a, in a constant state of panic and anxiety. And we, I'm, you know, for my kids, I, I may think, as long as I've got them under my care, uh, I can keep them safe. I'm going to make sure I'm going to look out for them. That's not true. That's just an illusion. <laughs> it's, it, I, there's been so many times that I'm like, praise God for the grace of God. There was one time when my youngest, Tim, you know, Timothy, we were at the beach and... Uh, you know, one you know, one years old. We were helping my daughter with a potty emergency, <laughs> and because it was an emergency, it took a lot of focus, and uh, I was distracted, and I neglected to, to keep track of Timothy. Well, someone that was sitting, you know, a little ways off in the sand, you know, shouted to us, um, and then, then I looked up and I saw it. Timothy had silently <laughs> padded all the way up. To the, we were quite a distance away from the water, but he made it all the way to the front. So I, I took off after him. I was sprinting, and his ankles were already in the waves by the time I got to him. And uh, I thought, praise God. There, this, is not, this was not the only time where I've thought, if, if it wasn't for God's protection, I know for all of my kids and the people I care about that God is present and involved, and, and it's a good thing that he is. I couldn't possibly keep my kids protected protected all the time. The same is true for my siblings and my parents. Um, he cares for each one of my family members even more than I do. And he picks the number of days for each one. One of my good friends recently lost his mom this month. And he told me how his mom deeply trusted in the Lord. And uh, my heart was breaking as I listened to him talk about the final stages and the, you know him visiting her in the hospital and and then her passing. And I asked him, man, are you, are you asking the questions, like the why God questions? And he said, no. He says, I've, I've settled the issue. He, he, he did this. He chose to trust God and release control, or really the illusion of control, of our timelines. And honestly, it really encouraged me. In, in the moment of his pain, and loss, he encouraged me and strengthened my faith as I watched him declare that God is there and he is good and his plan can be trusted. Trusting God with our days is a critical step and it helps us to do something else. It helps us to endure physical suffering knowing that God uses it for good. Sometimes we just need to endure. And it's often that we experience growth and even most of our maturity in life 
uh, as a person. And spiritually, it comes as we pass through testing and challenge. And without difficulty in life, we, we tend to rely on ourselves. Psalm, another psalm says, it was good for me to be afflicted so that I could learn your statutes. I mean, statutes meaning um, God's ways, his rules and boundaries. And the psalmist who wrote this had, had nowhere else to turn. Sometimes with sickness, we run out of options and we recognize that God is our only hope. And I have got to take him seriously and really factor him into my life. And we mature, we grow spiritually uh, strong and resilient when we turn to God and we rely on him in the middle of the suffering. Many who live with chronic pain are, have to battle this tension. If, if you deal with chronic pain, it may be that you cry out to God more than anybody else, that you pray more than the average person, just asking God for help and relief. Mature faith, mature faith is often forged through the pain and even life and death trials. We can have peace even in sickness if we humble ourselves before God and keep looking to him to sustain us. One of the questions that comes up when, when we get to this topic is, why does sickness even exist at all? If God is so good, couldn't he show us his goodness in another way um, by, by preventing that? And the Bible tells us in the book of Romans, just as sin entered the world through one man and death entered through sin, in this way, death spread to all people because all sinned. And before there was sin in the world, people would have lived forever. There would have been no death and no, no pain and sickness. But sin infected life itself. Adam was the very first man. He was the head of our race. A lot flows through what he did. And when he chose to rebel against God, that brought death into our world. And not just death, but suffering and illness right along with it. So sickness is here, wrapped up in the sin infection that, that spread throughout this planet. It's wired right into creation. It's part of our human experience in this fallen and broken world. Part of the reason that sickness strikes us so hard is because of the fear it might not be reversible and it might lead to death. And for many, the thought of dying is absolutely terrifying. But now Jesus Christ is the head of a new people. Adam came first, but now we have Jesus. And Jesus' death was the perfect sacrifice that brings eternal life to everybody who accepts it. Continuing in Romans, it says, So then, as through one trespass, meaning Adam's sin, there's condemnation for everyone, so also through one righteous act, which was the incredible sacrificial death of Jesus, now there's justification leading to life for everyone. Jesus rose from the dead and conquered the grave. And, th and that is incredible news, that the justification that leads to life, that's a gift where we can get right with God. We can deal with the sin that's infected us and our lives and our world. And we, when we accept God's gift of life, death can no longer have a grip on us. It's no longer something that a terror that we need to run from. We can get free from the fear of death by following Jesus. We can see um, this incredible reality and in, in, in a testimony to this in the, in the words of Paul, a man who was a major church leader who started many churches. He came to Christ as an older adult and 
Uh, he poured out his life sharing his story of transformation with other people. And uh, at a certain point, he found himself in prison. And he didn't know if he was going to live or die or be executed. And so we have some of his words while he's in prison awaiting his trial. In Philippians, he says, For me to live is Christ, and to die is gain. Now, if I live on in the flesh, this means fruitful work for me, and I don't know which one I should choose. I'm torn between the two. I long to depart and be with Christ, which is far better. He was genuinely torn. On the one hand, he said, I want to be here with you all, encouraging you, telling you to press on and, and reaching more people. And if God tells me to live here longer, I'm going to use up my energy for his kingdom and his mission and purposes. But on the other hand, God, if you say this is it and you take me home and I die, that is an upgrade. That I get to be with my Savior. My life and my death, Lord God, are in your hands. And that's a settled issue. In another letter, he wrote that eternal life is not just this life on earth, part two. It's not a continuation. There's really no comparison. In fact, uh, eternal life is on a completely different level, different plane, different atmosphere. He describes that living here, it's like oh, we're so burdened and there's groaning and there's plotting and trouble in life. That's just what life is like. But eternal life with God in heaven will swallow up this mortal life. And it'll be a quality and there'll be a joy unlike anything that we can experience here. What would you normally call a person who eagerly anticipates and looks forward to his own death? I mean, that doesn't seem right. <laughs> that, that, that seems unusual because most people don't want to die. And if someone does want to die, it may be because life has been really tough and bitter and it's been full of disappointment and any change would seem like a change for the better. But Paul, he didn't have any of these feelings of disgust or disappointment. He wasn't trying to get away from this world. He, he wasn't looking forward to his death. He was looking forward to the life beyond it. Imagine, imagine that, like Paul, what if you were able to calmly look death in the face? And you were able to think peacefully about the last time that you would touch and see the people in your life and confidently step into the world where Jesus lives and is ready to welcome you. That would be an amazing, powerful thing. None of us know how many days that we have left and we don't know the quality of them or what trouble will be in them. And when we're walking through sickness, there may be other questions that come up, tension and emotions that we wrestle with over time. And there's no quick answers that just make us feel better. My hope is that this message and the words in the Bible that we looked at would be a starting point for trusting God. And I hope that we'd be a help to you, uh, personally for you, as, as, the, as the tough things that you're walking through, I know that tremendous help comes when other people are there who are also trusting in God and have walked through fire of their own. The team of people that have committed to helping us start this church um, they have given me tremendous strength and encouragement. We've sacrificed a lot to move here, and they have, and it's been a pretty wild year. And the past few months have been very unpredictable. But we are a team who have made the declaration, like Asaph, the, you know, the very first passage that we looked at. We say, God's presence is our good. 
We have made the Lord God our refuge so that we can tell about all that he does. We would love to connect with you more. I'd love to talk with you. If you, if you want to uh, connect with us, let us know either on that connection card that you can fill out or by sending us a, uh, an email or a contact form. Um, we would love for you to join us. There's a place for you with us, either here in Santa Clarita um, or somewhere else in the world. But if you would like to learn a little bit more about what it would look like to follow Jesus for the very first time, let us know. Or if you want to join Valley Lights, or if you're local and you want to volunteer, we're new and small and we could use the help, especially on Sunday mornings. And uh, there'll be other ways to connect with events that we have that are available both online and in person. And uh, uh, what we'll do now is we'll just take a moment to pray and ask for God's help as we go forward. Father God, we thank you for your incredible care for us. And we declare that you are good, you can be trusted. And uh, would you give the comfort to people that are walking through tremendous difficulty right now and experiencing loss or pain and suffering. I pray that um, your presence would be tangible. Um, even though we can't see you, Lord, we, we can feel um, your active involvement in our lives. Would you give us strength as a group, as a church, in Jesus, and allow us to have a positive impact on the people in this city. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I hope you have a great week, and I'll talk to you later.